Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style and you'll find the best mattress for you at ashley the new temper adapt collection at ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body conforming technology making every sleep tailored to be your best the collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. And now, it's time for Inside Conan. An important Hollywood podcast. Welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Three of those things are true. I'm Mike Sweeney, and you are... I'm Jesse Gaskell. Writers on The Conan Show for quite a while, and now we're hosting a podcast. Basically, this is our third season. We've been doing an overview of Conan's late night career and it's going well yeah i think it better be because it's almost over (laughs) it's almost over yeah uh how are you i'm good sweeney i am good i uh not a lot going on really Um, i wanted to i wanted to follow up and ask you about something actually one of our listeners who used to be our script coordinator script overseer script script overlord boss of the script yeah Yes, John Croteau. John Croteau, he... I love John so much. Yes, John is 
a wonderful guy. Oh, my God. And so great to work with and so smart. Yes. And he's also very creative. Mm, yeah, he's a musician. He sent us a little theme song so that I specifically could ask you, what happened to the turtle? It's time for... Turtle Talk! There was a turtle crossing um, the street. <laughs> yeah, a large turtle. <gasps> what? But, well, that turtle sounds like it was in trouble. That's a red-eared slider turtle. Yeah. The, the guy knows his turtle. It's a really good-looking turtle. The same turtle you buy in pet store. To turtle aficionados, turtles. his turtles have been attacked by raccoons. Oh, no. Oh, uh, wow. They're a blight on society. Eat the legs off the turtle. <gasps> Let's get into it. I'm Jesse Gaskell, and that's Mike Sweeney. What happened with the turtle? Because last I saw you, you had the turtle in your possession. I did. I had the turtle. Uh, I brought it. I had it at my side here uh, while doing the podcast. And he's incredibly... Just incredible company and seemed yes, to he enjoy. Yes, he was a great sidekick for you, I thought. He really seemed to get into it and, uh, you know, had follow-up questions about Conan's TBS years. So, well, my neighbor, I, I knocked on my neighbor's door because he used to raise, he, he really loves reptiles and he loves turtles. So I said, oh, maybe it's his. And I knocked on his door. He goes, no, it's not mine. He goes, but guy across the street who I've never met before has two koi ponds. I think he has turtles. Yeah. And he wasn't home. So I kept the turtle overnight. And then the next morning, I went to that guy's house and the buzzer didn't work. And then the I pushed on the gate and it was unlocked. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> and it was like a Shangri-La. Like his house was up this really steep hill. And it was all... All covered in turtles. Yeah, it was... <laughs> So I knew I was in the right spot. There was all these beautiful lush gardens with fountains and statues. And I was like, oh, wow, wow. Like you you can't tell from the street. It's this crazy oh, cool. uh, setup. So I'm just go up to his front door and the snore doorbell. There's a big knocker. So I knock on the door. This guy comes right to the door, opens it. Older man still chewing his breakfast <laughs> and he just was glaring at me and i was like hi i'm i live around the corner and you know dick from across the streets i found a turtle and and yeah. he said maybe you have two koi ponds maybe it's your and he just cut me off he goes no oh and i was like oh no okay okay uh, i was like okay nice meeting you and i i just ran out of there oh god but then i got to the street and then i saw another person going into their driveway who i don't know I just yelled and said, hey, hi, are you? Are you the turtle guy? You, did you lose a pet turtle? Yeah. And she was this woman. I think she was on a, a phone call in her earbuds. <laughs> and she just was like, what? And I said, did you lose a turtle? And she's just like, "Ugh." she just turned and walked away. Oh. And then I'm like, oh, God. Why is everyone uh, so mad? And then there was another. I turned around to this other neighbor who I actually uh, am friendly with. I said, you don't happen to be missing it. Turtle, and he just laughed at me. And so <laughs> I'm now like the crazy turtle guy of the, the block. Yeah. And it's like, but I mean, it had to come from somewhere. That's what's well, so odd. Or someone's not claiming it. Maybe someone's like, all right, this is my chance to get rid of it. I made a delicious soup. <laughs> you know what I did? I, I dropped it off. It. Um, you surrender the turtle. There's a turtle pond nearby. Yeah. Like four miles away in, in Griffith Park. So I... Oh, I put it in there. I mean, but it's the kind of turtle I found out that is the most popular pet. And, you know, it's the one you get in the pet stores. Yeah. So it was definitely a pet. 
Right. I mean, technically, you shouldn't drop it off there because it's technically an invasive species. Ah, but but is that what was already there? That's exactly. Yeah. I went there. I researched online, and it said, you know, come see the turtle pond at, at Ferndale. So I'm like, okay. Oh, I this know. Seems to be I know that turtle pond. Yeah. Yeah. But I went there and they were all different sizes. Some of them looked like they had left the pet store like three weeks ago. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a direct pipeline from the yes, pet store to yes. this turtle pond. Anyway, I dropped them in and, and that was it. All but right. now my neighbors really think I'm a freak. <laughs> well, you know what? I think they're freaks. Who's Who greets their neighbor like that? I, I trespassed on this guy's property to demand if he owned a missing turtle. <laughs> I know. I guess you're lucky you didn't get shot. I know. I That obviously crossed my mind. He seems like someone who might. Uh, man, if I died because I was trying to return a turtle uh, to someone. He died doing what he loved. Thank God I didn't have the turtle in my hand because that would have been a wa- talk about a walk of shame. Yeah. <laughs> Walking down. <laughs> Walking the turtle home. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh, it's such a pain in the ass though. Trying to be a good person is such a pain in the ass. It never works out. I always forget. It, I know. Yeah. I've had that happen multiple times where, I mean, it's, it's always with dogs where a dog, mm. you know, is, doesn't have a collar or something or is yeah. loose. And what do you do? I bring it back to my house um, I mean, if they're friendly, if they seem really lost, like mm. I'll I'll bring it back here, and then you post on next door, you okay. know, wherever, and try to find the owner. I've taken dogs to get, you know, where they read the chip at the oh at the shelter, and then every single time the person yeah. the owner is like so nonchalant about it. Really, you 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 end up you call them and you're like, hey, I have your dog. You know, I've had your dog overnight, and they're like, oh yeah that thing what yeah 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 can you drop it off and you're like what wait what can you drop it off i've one time somebody asked to drop it off the other time they were like oh can you keep it for a a few more hours i was just like what oh my god i can't believe that you but i mean it makes sense because that's those are the people who leave their gates open whose dogs get out and uh what else is going on your new job's going okay new job's going well well i was just telling you about how i mean i have a commute yeah. And today my commute was really, really upset by uh, what we found out was, I mean, this is Hollywood related. Yeah. Because it was Hollywood and Highland was completely shut down. There were police yeah. around the perimeter of a like a eight block radius and helicopters flying overhead. Mm-hmm. And you put it together that... President Biden is in town for the Some conference. Summit of the Americas. That's it. Correct. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Right. That was his real priority. Yes. The conference <laughs> wasn't that big a deal. But yeah, getting he on was Jimmy. able to stop by the conference right, on the right, way. Right, right, right. Jimmy, I got to duck out. Pretty wild. Should we tell people about our inside uh, Jimmy Kimmel show that we've been also doing? For yeah. <laughs> I think it's time. Five yeah. seasons. We have zero access to Jimmy <laughs> or anyone who works there. And zero memories of anything that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of turtle talk. Yeah. We need to preface this next interview mm. by saying, I'm really sad that I wasn't there. I was sad you weren't there either. I mean, I... I but you you were starting work. I I just started my new job and I couldn't get out of it and we couldn't reschedule. No, we tried to reschedule. He was fantastic. And of course uh, he was. We had a great time chatting and we 
barely talked about Conan. (laughs) (laughs) Did he do a Joe Biden impression? There were uh, impressions galore. I bet. I don't want to say who or what, but... uh, I I mean, I had to tell people that I wasn't there, so they didn't think I was just being really shy or quiet. Right, right, right. right. She's intimidated by uh, impressionists. Um, No, he, he was great. Here's our interview with Dana Carvey. I sometimes have said, <laughs> go back to your high school on a Sunday afternoon. Right. When it's just dead and just walk around the halls and just think of that feeling. Right. And that is like being being on Saturday Night Live and going back. It's like, did that really happen? Yeah. Like, what what is going on here? And, and so many years with me of just doubt and failure because I had no confidence. And I wait, just, when was that? Well, my story is pretty long, but uh, (laughs) in a nutshell, you know, in 76, I got the guts to get on stage. Right. Okay. So I get on SNL in 86. Right. So there's a decade there. Right. I had a little bit of like, oh, you're okay. But there weren't comedy clubs. I was in college and I would bomb a lot. I got some gigs opening for bands. I do Jimmy Stewart and that Uh kind of thing. And I just bombed and had no confidence. And then NBC saw me. I had kind of a cherubic look. They signed me to a deal. And then they put me on the Mickey Rooney show in New York. I remember that show. And I was just terrified. And it was weird. Nathan Lane and the whole thing. That's that's a whole story. And then, you know, I was on the sixth floor and SNL was on the eighth floor. I think I've mentioned that before. Wow. But I'm in New York in Rockefeller Center. And you were right out of college? Pretty much. I mean, I didn't really go to college. I went to community college. I was Uh, San Francisco State. Yeah. I would literally write the papers that were due during the class right. and say typewriter broken. <laughs> I didn't even know I graduated until this dinky degree came. I, I was just, I had no education. That's why, you know, you Harvard guys, you know, uh, uh, maybe you're not, but it no. seems like everybody is. Rutgers and Newark, the commuting branch of mm. Rutgers, pretty shitty. Mm, pretty shitty. Pretty bad. But anyway, so I'm out and I'm doing that and I do that show. You know, I it bombed out. Yeah. And, but I was in New York for a while and it was amazing. And I went up to the eighth floor and I thought, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to be in this show watching Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo? Yeah, yeah. And I was so far away from it. I had a baby face. I was insecure. I couldn't riff in front of Robin Williams. But sort of later on, we'll talk about Conan, how shy he was around me because of where I was in status compared to him at the time. Right. And then having that evolve. Then I did, I was doing stand-up, but I did a show with James Ferentino called Blue Thunder, you mm-hmm. know, and he was completely blasted all the time. I got fired in front of everybody. They put me in the fake helicopter. Yeah. And they wanted you to fly it? You no, know, I was in the back and they would wave it around and throw stuff at yeah. us. And he just had his script and he goes, I was better than Lawrence Olivier. And it was vodka this much. I mean, just wow. styrofoam and Coke and just like calling me in the middle of the night. And I did a pilot with Desi Arnaz Jr. Yeah. that bombed, and the pilot was bombing. And then we heard Lucille Ball yelling for, at the audience during during the taping. What's wrong with you people? This is later smoking Lucille. <laughs> that is Come on, this is funny. <laughs> oh so my then God. we had to shut the taping down because the whole audience made a line to get her autograph. And Des- the second she Yeah, and Desi's appeared. just, we're oh talking about his dad. He invented three cameras, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm doing that, then I'm doing stand-up, and then I was off, I did a pilot with uh, Michael Richards. Oh, wow. Called City Slickers or something like that. Okay. And I was small. So that I was the actual title, or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Everything bombed, and right. I did a movie with Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster. That's a whole other oh. book. 
So then freakily, long story short, I got on SNL, which was insane. And Yes, you landed on SNL in 86. The only time the show, they don't like to publicize oh. this, where it didn't have a full season pickup. Oh, I didn't know we that. We had an eight, eight shows. And really? so if we didn't hit the ground running, we were going to pull the plug. That's why my wife wow. stayed in LA. Yeah. She had a really good job being yeah. a speechwriter for a local politician. Oh. So I said, I'll see you in a few months, probably. Right. And that's, you know. This will be another helicopter show. <laughs> I'd like to say one thing, just a, a, yes. an, an insert here, because sure. it's just something that has gone through my mind recently. This whole thing is inserts. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to inserts. <laughs> that when I did get SNL, I, yeah. I ended up at Lauren's house in August. Yeah. I didn't know. He said, come out, hang out. I was there right. for like a month. And so Paul McCartney and Linda came over right. a lot. The part of it that I always leave out is that they just met me. I'd never been on TV and they just were totally, hey, how you doing? Right. You know, <laughs> just like all that stuff. Right. And they met me for 20 minutes, but they found out that my wife, Paula, was staying in L.A. because yeah. I didn't know, you know. Yeah. So 20 minutes later, it's just Lorne, Chevy Chase, just in the living room. Sure. Paul and Linda come up to me. They kind of sidle up and they go, Linda goes, we think Paula should be here. We don't like that she's not here. So they met me 20 minutes ago, and uh, they're in the uh, kitchen. They're debating. Well, yeah, I don't know if we should tell him or not. You know, you never know him. She's probably a fine bird. You know, but he's leaving a vow, you know. But he seems like a funny job. So the idea of that. So I always wanted to, because I thought that was such spoke to her, because, you know, she was so sweet and yeah. so real. Yes. Yeah. It was cool seeing her in Get Back a bit. Yeah, yeah. She's just uh, a touches of her but i totally understand the the appeal she just was just very cool and just that he said she's like a grown-up you know right right like a real you know like a woman i had to pull up my socks and get me game on you know, <laughs> you know. Look like, oh, do, do you do it no no, no i'm not do, just are me. you crazy i'm not oh uh, you know it's just we we were lads you know we plonked <laughs> Well, let's talk about Get Back. How did that impact your impression of John and Paul? Well, at one point, because I'd heard an album once of Paul talking about, it was like maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. And he was filling in ideas with sounds. Uh -huh. So, you know, I do the part, you know, the doot, and I go do 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 He's walking over here, and he's going do 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 So then I did see him do that and Get Back, yeah. talking to George. Right. You know, because the boy genius with the bass guitar yes. goes here to do the G down to the G seventh, yeah, yeah, and you go yeah. do ba do 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 yeah, do, yeah. do and you know, George, yeah. I'll play if you want, yeah, or right. I won't play, but I don't have to play if I don't want to. <laughs> I didn't mean I just wanted to go do ba do ba do, just go do ba do ba do. He got all mad, John. All I said was go do do. He didn't want to go do do. We've got to stop hanging. <laughs> We're being too mean to them. They were my lads. They were my brothers. Ringo, my brothers. They were my brothers. Uh, I never had brothers. Ringo was really outside. He God, I love the way he drums, though. Yeah. Like, if you just zero in on each, each instrument, you can really... It's like listening to it all from scratch again, you know? Well, the thing I took away with it, which comes back to your show... Yes. Thank it, you. It, and I mean that. I will, And believe me, we're going to start this podcast in just 10 minutes. I'm going to minutes. tie it in. So everyone gets settled. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to tie it in because it's very interesting. The idea of sensibility. Right. And how you can't define it. And mm. that people with similar sensibilities right. where the frequency is very narrow. Right. Really are copacetic. And mm -hmm. so when you saw the four of them there. Right. And they were kind of jamming a little bit and going. And it, it was sort of like they all knew when it was good. 
Yes. And there's a throwaway where George, after he shit on, I got a feeling. Right, he goes, right. Is it cold? I've got a feeling. Right, you know, it's right, a very yeah, snarky. Yeah. Yes. Like he goes, yes. you know, it's getting good. You know, that part and that part. Oh, you do this part yeah. and that part. And so they had this cohesive sensibility. Right. And the other thing was how casual it was. They were the number one, mm-hmm. number one stars in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And it was just like ashtrays and could I get a cup of tea and just shitty mm-hmm. cords everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but Conan's, uh, your your guys' show, you know, redefined the, the postmodern uh, talk show. Like Letterman was the first, but you right. guys took it in this other direction. And then everyone who came around it agreed. Right. Or everyone who stayed had a similar sensibility. Yes. There's like, You're oh, like the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. I, listen, I'm not picking up that you jumped from the, directly from the Beatles to Conan show. But, uh, <laughs> usually it's Duran Duran and then came Conan. <laughs> but you picked the Beatles and off off we go. But uh, um, I just, you know, I'm like Conan. We're, 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 we're crazy. <laughs> that there's so many of us that are, we're a little... Nuts about the Beatles. But it's no, not I, normal. I, I think a genius thing they did when they started the show, like Conan Robert Smigel, because Letterman just, I mean, he just. He harvested a lot of. A lot and just. The anti talk show and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Conan and Robert's instinct was we need to not do that in any way, at least initially. Do you know what I mean? Like we've got to go a different direction. Which, which fit with their sense of humor anyway. So, mm-hmm. it, so that worked out perfectly. And I, I think it took people a while to like uh, go, oh, okay, catch on to that new sensibility. You yeah, don't, you don't yeah agree. I, I think it's kind of the best stuff. And you're angry. Well, <laughs> some things can be just brilliant right away, and some things yeah. just take a little while. Yeah. And Conan, when he came out, I think the audience had to find it. Yes. I mean, I immediately, because I'd hung out with them and I, I knew what they were doing, I right. knew Robert. Right. But then when it hit, Right. When, it, when a show that's that abstract right. hits mm-hmm. and people get the frequency or the yes. sensibility, then then it explodes. Yes. So it feels like whatever time frame you guys were going, whether it was the two seasons or whatever it was, three years, two years, and then it just caught so hard. And I didn't, I wasn't totally privy to it until right. you guys came to L.A., I think. That was your first time where you took it out to the yeah, public I, and yes. it was just fanaticism basically well that was amazing that was an amazing every time we traveled the show we were stunned at the local response because you know we're used to new york city you know that was pretty good it was great yeah it was great and i have to say what to what you're saying about the sensibility like when i go back and watch old clips from 93 Mm -hmm. everything did great most things were doing great right away the comedy and a lot of the show yeah like i'm like oh these bits are getting really big laughs. Like, I, I think in some ways they did have to hit the ground running. And, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, especially comedically, I think it was just really funny right away. But. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It just kept growing. Yes. And then it became this whole other thing. So. Right. But kind of cool to be part of, Mike. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't come on until 95. <laughs> oh. I waited till they got their act Jesus, together. I didn't look at your Wikipedia yeah. ca- page. Yes. Always look at Wiki. I was off Always. to the side going, well, let's see. Uh, oh, they have a six month uh, pickup. All right. I'll work there. But obviously you fit in. Uh, yes, you were the no, new, new I, drummer or whatever. I loved it right away. I applied for a writing gig when it started and they had already staffed up, but they bought one of my ideas. And I was like, oh, mm. that's promising. Because I was just doing stand up and I was like, I was like, oh, you know what? I should. I always kind of love late night and I was interested in it. So they eventually hired me to do the warm up. And, and then I reapplied 
while I was doing the warm up, and did they you, felt sorry for me and hired. As a stand up, did, did yeah. you, how big did you get and how much did you have to travel? This today is about the best I ever did. <laughs> You're seeing me at the height of my this powers. Is it? Yes. I love it. I don't want to, you know, I don't know if you've heard of a show called. Evening at the Improv. No, but I... I'd heard of you, but I, I'm always like, like no, were you no. headlining giant clubs? You, you did not let's hear get into the degree. I traveled a lot, but then I was like, I'm making a decent, a good living at the clubs in New York City, and I like the audiences much better in New York City. But I remember going out to San Francisco and performing at the other cafe. Yes. And, and there was a newspaper about comedy in San Francisco called um, J- Just for Laughs. Just for Laughs. And I was like... I just was like, San Francisco is this comedy mecca. And yeah. then the audiences in San Francisco, I, I'll never forget that. They they were just so much better than New York audiences. Were you at the punchline? Or? I went to the other cafe. Oh, okay. So that's where I in, met my wife. Oh, really? Yeah. It's uh, about a 70-seater. Yeah. It was in Carl and Cole. It was in the Haight-Ashbury. All it, windows. It was all wind, a giant picture window where yes. people walk by and you could riff around them. Right. And the that, Holy City Zoo was the other place, but go ahead. The zoo was like 40 seats. Yes. Over on Clement. Yeah. yeah. But the other cafe really just helped me immeasurably because yeah. there was no hard liquor. Yeah. Because you'd be out in the suburbs and the blender's going, right. <laughs> show us your dick! You know, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it was hard, so right. just loud and right. blue, but right. the other right. cafe was kind of sophisticated yes. in its own way. I could see they would go you know, for like, I, that was the first time I did a character for like more than 10 seconds. It terrified me, but that was the room. Is that what happened to you? I'm so glad you're saying this because I remember after doing comedy three or four years and all these comics from San Francisco, you, uh, Kevin Meany had spent time there. Yeah, and, Paula uh, Poundstone, Paula Poundstone lived with me and, and my Paula. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. But I was like, they're all very unique and they're all different and they're all so creative. I couldn't see acts like that developing in New York City where people are yelling, you know, you're getting heckled no. and it's this and that. And, 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 <laughs> I always thought New York could beat up San Francisco. Yeah, was, the, you know, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> fuck, you know, I was afraid of New right. York. Well, I remember an act uh, who I won't say, uh, but very funny. Now you got came, me. It came in from uh, San Francisco to audition for Letterman. Uh, for Frank Gannon at Catch Rising Star, and I hosted there a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and having performed in San Francisco, he was doing material that I'm like, this kills. Obviously, this kills in San Francisco. It was a night of like all stockbrokers in the audience and drunk, just flirting with coworkers. <laughs> he hit the bricks so hard. Oh my god! And it was just like, oh man, this town is the. In some ways, it's the worst. And and you could tell, like, after the third joke, he was just like, oh, fuck. I am not. Where mm. the fuck am I? It worst was just one of those awful. I've had them. Awful. But that room really, I, that made me that room. I mean, that room. The other cafe. Yeah. It was really small and everything, but... Um, I got a big enough little following that, yeah. that I had a hamburger named after me or something like that, Dana Burger. <laughs> you know, this is Michael Pritchard. It was six foot six. Uh, we certainly <laughs> were an assortment pack. We didn't have YouTube. We yeah. were aware of Carlin and Pryor and stuff. Right, right. But we, Bobby Slayton was doing kind of the New York thing. And right. Paula Poundstone was the quirky and intellectual. Right. And I was doing the assortment pack of, yeah. I had a trunk. Oh, is that true? With glasses and props. And, I was wondering what you what your act was like when you first I started. could not fucking write a joke. 
I couldn't think of anything. So I would just go to a toy store. Yeah. I got a Gumby. Yeah. If you can picture a Gumby, if you're listening, the little green man. Sure. I go, ladies and gentlemen, Gumby. Yeah. And I would stretch him way out and just go, <laughs> like he was in pain. I mean, I was the worst. I, I couldn't think of anything. I, I got a toy gun. I got a toy gun. And I go, you ever see this in a movie? Now get out of here. And then they would put the gun right, the loaded gun right down their pants. And then it would be like, who would do that? And then there's the gun there. So I would, my writing was based on the toy store. That, and Toys R Us was where I would write. I couldn't really write anything. But everyone starts out different. I like, I saw Ray Romano the first time he went on and he used to yeah. do all the seven dwarfs with a hat. Like <laughs> yeah, he would right, do exactly. it. And, and you know, it's kind of thing. That's funny. You know, he, he probably doesn't <laughs> want it. He doesn't want anyone to know that, but, but that, you know, oh, you, yeah. it's just like you're kind of way in and, and just to get, although you seem like a natural performer, just a fearless performer, had, but maybe it's no. I had more stage fright than anyone wow. I know of. Okay. Adrenalized all day. Wow. Uh, my hands would turn bright red and my neck, just my neck would go bright red and I would be completely stage fright. Wow. And it took years to get past it. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'd catch a wave with a good audience. Right. And then you'd forget to be afraid. And right. I get that little bit of a, but yeah, it was not in any way easy for me. What what ended up happening to me, yeah. I, I'm always fascinated by two things. One is sensibility and how did that mesh with right. peer groups and friends. Right. And then it's also confidence. And the secret ingredient of confidence, how do you get it What to a comedian? Mm. I mean, Cosby, before the charges and stuff, <laughs> used to say- Before the charges. You got to get you got to get 800 sets that work under right. your belt. Right. Or because then you get, if they're not laughing- it's kind of funny to you. Right. That kind of confidence. Ugh, yeah. And that is, again, this isn't, I didn't write this out anywhere, right. but dovetailing to our friend Conan. Yeah. He came out and then you watched as the shows went on mm -hmm. and the seasons went, the confidence. Yes. Just growing and growing. And then you can really be yourself. Yes. For me, how I got there to have enough confidence, I don't really know. It's like kind mm -hmm. of a miracle. So mm -hmm. I always like to tell people who are listening to this, mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated that some kid who is dreaming of being us 50 years from now, because right. look how good we look. But uh, <laughs> just that you may have to go to a toy store to write material. You may have no confidence, <laughs> but only follow this path right. if you can't imagine doing anything else because right. it's essentially emotionally violent. Not that working at Best Buy isn't, but right. it's a, it's a ups and downs. You never mm -hmm. smoke in mirrors. You never know where mm -hmm. you are unless you're a talk show host for 30 years. <laughs> so I take that back. Yes. Yeah. I think Conan had this that kind of sense like something's going to... You like you just vaguely know you're going to pursue this path, and you there's this strong innate sense that it's going to work out. I would say that you know I don't know how everybody or anybody has dreams or thoughts, right? And then the the other voice in your head goes, but it can't be true. But I had that inkling when I was a little kid. Ah, so you may call it a sneaky ego, yeah, but. Yeah. When I would give a book report, I would get laughs in fourth grade. Uh -huh. And then in junior high, I ran for secretary treasurer. 
And, and you gave um, a speech as somebody? I, I rolled up these pieces of paper into a, I taped together typewriter paper, so a big uh, roll. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm just going to make a few brief remarks. And uh-huh. then I rolled it down the podium, you know. So I was just like, but I'm killing. I was more confident then. I got yeah. less confident yes. later before I got very confident. Puberty, puberty doesn't help. And then being in high school with my runner friends and right. finding friends that were like Beatles to me, as far as sense of humor, uh-huh. and uh-huh. riffing long form with them. So we're doing the banquet in the yeah. gymnasium. I'm yeah. a sophomore. The coach's car broke down or whatever. So they asked me to get up and speak about the sophomore cross-country team. And then I was very nervous. But yeah, but part of you. I, I got laughs yeah. and I had little impressions of different teammates that I didn't uh, even, wasn't totally aware that I had them. There was one guy who always said, if I could just get my right, form right. down, you know, for, for being the world's best assistant. Oh, so that must have killed. So I did have inklings in the back of my head. And that's why I went to the mm-hmm. hippie dive over in Berkeley right. on a Saturday night with a couple friends and uh, where Robin Williams performed before yeah. he was Robin Williams. Right. But that, I, I went there because of this inkling, but then massive insecurity where I made a lot of Weird choices, but right. I'll say this and again. I'm just thinking of Conan now, just yeah. as a friend. Sure, I keep knew, bringing him up for some reason, but I knew, I know, I, this isn't even anything to do with Conan. <laughs> we are guys. We're warming it up. I got the management team that managed Robin Williams, so right. I would go Brillstein. to the improv, Brillstein, and then we'd be at a table with these managers, right. and Robin and me, hey, oh, look at this, so, and I just couldn't, for the life right. of me, right. ever riff a word no. oh. with him, and then, you know... I mean, you could, or you were just... Too intimidated. Of course. So when I was hearing Conan is the funniest one in the writer's room, right? and then we would write, and we're writing on Hans and Franz the Girl. Right. And Smigel said he's just shy around me because I was I had gone to another level of confidence. Right. But I knew that. So I never said this guy's not funny. Right. I, I'd seen it. And when when Carell came into the room to audition for my show, the Dana Carvey, the Dana Carvey show, show with Robert and Louis C.K. and I. Yes. And he was really awkward. Yes. And not funny. But I looked at the tape and I said, no, no, no. Yeah. The magic elixir of confidence can make someone who appears not very talented right. at all. Right. And then they get confidence. Right. And it doesn't go 99 to 100. It goes from a zero to 110. Yeah. So with Conan, that was that. I, I kind of could tell that he was just shy. And then once he opened up, he was just explosively And the smart funny. ones are kind of, my experience with the funny people were the ones who kind of, in a new situation, they lay back and get, it's like they play the long game. It's like, I'm going to get used to this. I'm going to feel yeah. it at home. You know what I mean? Well, That's a, usually a, often a good sign. Yeah, it's one of those trying to catch the wind, uh, Ooh, yes. trying to be funny. Like I went to the improv in Hollywood in the early 80s and I would bomb a lot because I'd get the 805 spot on a Thursday night. The improv in L.A.? Improv in L.A., okay. Hollywood. Right. And I would bomb so brutally really? hard. I was killing in San Francisco at the other cafe. Yeah. yeah. Swing and a miss. And it was dead silence. And yeah. then they'd say, Norman Lear thought you were kind of funny. You know, like he was there. What right. the fuck? This was 40 <laughs> years ago. But confidence is an amazing, amazing thing. And you wish you could kind of sprinkle it on people who right. you know they're talented. Right. And you'll know they'll get there. You could fa- you wish you could fast forward them to where they should and get. And I, I try to... You know, think about that in life, you know, yeah. just just copying an attitude. F- fuck right. these people. Right. You know, and I guess my 
fuck them in that this mortgage. Mike Myers. Not, <laughs> damn it. Fuck these tax payments, Assholes. these IRS agents. <laughs> you know, take your gun and take your warrant and stick it up your take ass. Take your best shot. I got I'm my gun. I'm confident Gumby. now. I'm confident. So I don't take nothing. I'm brimming it. I'm brimming it. Mike Myers had said this on Colbert recently. Yeah. It was very nice because we were. So I feel every time I feel I'm like chauvinist this guy, I feel like I'm right. mostly in my room. <laughs> Literally, most of my life. Most of people's lives, if you're listening to this, they're just hanging out somewhere. Sure. Most of it. That's all they're doing. Right. No matter who they are. I don't care. It's Prince Harry or yeah. Johnny Depp. They're, he's hanging out somewhere. Yeah. That's all we're doing, yeah. hanging out. Killing time. So we did the 40th anniversary, 2016, you know, the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. celebration. Yep. And we're, Wayne and Garth, we're at the very end. Right. We have no real rehearsal, no camera check. We just had written this stuff and um we're just kind of you know i go well we should be either flattered or really pissed off that the show's four hours long and we're, we're in the death spot right you know that is the, a rough spot to be in but apparently i said to him but i don't remember it i said yeah. fuck that man we're gonna fuck him up i love that it's pretend aggression toward yeah. the audience yeah. to to put out the, the right. fear right yes Rather than worrying about, they should get to worry about what we're going to do to them. Yes. And I need that sometimes because, you know, yeah. five kids and I was yeah. beaten a lot and stuff yeah. and, and picked on and, you know. So. By within your own family? Or? Oh, sure. Okay. You know, yeah. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't have no silver spoon. <laughs> but, you know, I, I smiled a lot and I was a people yeah. pleaser and a baby face with natural yeah. blonde yes. hair. So people would meet me Beautiful and just go, child. what a childhood. Right. <laughs> You must have, your parents must have done something <laughs> right. They don't see me with tears on the pill. I'm not, I'm just. But that was a great recipe. I mean, in hindsight, the incredibly yes. cherubic, you know, this all American puss, but yeah. this dark underpinning. I guess so. It's hard yeah. to self analyze yourself that way. But yes, I definitely, the church lady came from that. Right. Because I would come on stage right. and the audience would gasp. And think, why are they letting 14-year-olds in here? Uh, <laughs> I, a lot of times, I would just be kicked out, even though I was like 22. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to see the ID. Get your ass out of here. Really? Yeah. Oh, my this God. This is before all the beer and the sun and yeah, the stress. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I'd go on stage and I started the voice from that. To counteract the reaction, well, 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 apparently they let little kids in here. <laughs> and that was the genesis of it. It kept evolving, but yeah, there and time. I always do church lay on every podcast that I give in. I just want to put uh, a time on that. Okay. okay. <laughs> I all The bitch always comes out. She always comes out. I got a house with that bitch. No, I was kidding. trying to delay I'm it. I'm kidding. Net worth. I'm fascinated by net worth. Conan always teased me about that. Oh, I'm yeah. well. It's like, sure. Why talk not? about confidence? I'm fascinated yes. by like I was doing some of this guy developing a show. He's worth like six hundred million, mm. and I was just noticing. So he crosses his leg, right? And his the the foot that's on the downside is is not flexing at all. It's so relaxed and floppy. Larry David's foot is and, relaxed. And then the hands are very floppy. The shoulders are so relaxed. This is just all net worth, yeah. just infusing yes. the body with yeah. this, you know, thing. And to watch it, I'm doing it now. So I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. I just want to observe now for the listeners is that Mike has a very floppy foot. He's, 600 his mil, guys. Shoulders are completely relaxed. Mil, totally relaxed. I've never seen. <sighs> I've got good posture. It, it's fun to talk about that because I remember the first time I met Conan and Greg. 
Greg Daniels' yeah. partner. Yeah, so it's just fresh face and, and sweet yep. and earnest. Yes. And, you know, like Conan, like, I don't know if he literally, but he metaphorically had a little notebook with a pencil and, you know, he was right, all, right. and they were just He's a good student. wide-eyed and, and, and young and, you know. And, and you were a veteran already. You know? You've I been was, there for two years, so you were, you know, you talk about him being shy around you. And you know what? I still mm-hmm. see yeah. that dynamic. Like a couple of weeks ago, I, I ran to you guys right near here and you were having a quick coffee. And I think Conan, it's still that relationship of, of him the new guy meeting this, because when he met you, two, you were already two years into SNL. Like, you are the older brother, metaphorically, well, in terms of... I'll speak to that for myself. Yeah. I think that if you're not famous, right, and and you're in the comedy world, and right. you meet someone who's doing what you want to do, right, and they're famous. So right. for me, in particular, be Martin Short. Ah. So I don't care if I had Wayne's World or right. anything. Right. I was always going to just have some slight deferential thing about right. Martin Short. Right. So I saw him on SCTV. He kind of looked like he was in my tribe. Yeah. You know, Irish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, impish Irish guys right. for 50, Bob. Right, you know, right, right. <laughs> uh, Short, Carvey, we're yeah. County Sligo. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I have that a little bit. So do you still have that with Martin? Like when you see oh, Martin? Oh, yeah. yeah. But friendly and everything. But I was with him and... Um, John Mulaney at a yeah. restaurant. I, I just don't feel like I swing at the ball as much as I would. Right. A little bit. But I, if I hung out with Martin a lot, I know I would. Right. When Robin Williams, the last five years of his life, I got to be really good friends with him uh-huh. up in the Bay Area. Right. Because I was those raising my kids up there. In Mill Valley? Yeah. and I My was sister so, used to live there. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful towns yes. in the country. And the, the address is... <laughs> Jesus, Mike. Anyway, you ready for this? He gives out the town on the air. I'm telling you, everybody loves Mike Sweeney. You know, he's giving out addresses left and right like he's giving out cupcakes to people. Everybody knows they're coming for the door, but who does it better than him? He's inside Conan. I've been dating coffee. Good night. No, anyway. Uh, I just was like, why hasn't he gone after me yet? I, I knew I had to mention my sister. I'll tell you. Okay, so I'll go ahead. You, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just do an interject. You're raising I'll, your children. I'll do an interject on that. <laughs> I like doing Regis filming. Uh, and sometimes I'll close out the podcast I do with David Spade flying yeah. on the wall. I just, I like the charm of Regis. Can you believe it? There it's he hilarious. is. Uh, he's, the, he's the trickster of all time, Mike Sweeney, writing all these terrific <laughs> sketches for all these years. You know him, you love him, the Conan O'Brien, the whole shebang. Here he is. Let's say, you know, it's just a great way to sum up somebody. I really got heckled by him once. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was, you know, making money during the day and doing stamp at night, and I got hired to do warm-up for it. Joy Philbin, his wife, had a Homer modeling show, and it was a pilot. So, Mm. you know, they were like, you'll be there for an hour. And they had no (laughs) idea what they were doing. It lasted six hours. And I'm, they're like, all right, Mike, uh, we're setting up a new kitchen. Look, get back out there. I'm like, are you fucking, what the fuck? It was just like, it was like um, (laughs) 30 senior citizen ladies who just, you know, were there. They didn't give a shit about me, certainly. They certain didn't really care about Joy. They, they they were like the women outside the Johnny Depp trial. They just wanted to see Regis. <laughs> and so it's hour four, and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, this can't get worse. And 
all of a sudden Regis Philbin shows up. He's like, hi, you know, and he starts, he starts working the crowd. And he goes, I'm just going to sit in with these lovely ladies. And he sits in the audience. Oh, and then all with the, the focus. women. And they're like, Sweeney, get back out there now. Plus we've added Regis Philbin to the audience. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> and, and he starts heckling me. He goes, oh, Sweeney, you're losing him. Oh, Sweeney's, Sweeney's doesn't have it. He's losing it. Hour seven, Sweeney's uh, out of steam. <laughs> I could see and that. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm getting, oh my God, I'm getting heckled by Regis Phil. <laughs> That's a book. <laughs> Going full circle so yes. people won't go crazy. Like, so, I got to know Robin better, and so yes. then I could sort of riff like I am now. Yeah. You know, but he was on Mork and Mindy, and he yes. would come back to San Francisco, right. and he was like a human god. He would levitate yes. the room and destroy harder than anyone's ever destroyed. Unbelievable. Oh, the men over there, over there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like uh, that feeling like I have with Conan. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of, of that, but yeah. it, it's it's very minute at this point because, you know, he's Conan. Well, I, lo I love yeah. you. You just, it was a throwaway, but you're like, oh, yeah, I went to this club in Berkeley and saw Robin Williams before he was Robin Williams, which I think was maybe a four week window to see him before you know he but but that's i didn't know he was Robin Williams, so right. i go there i, yeah. I didn't know it's local comedy i'd yeah. never been in it i didn't yeah. don rickles is on tv i mean right. there's comedians doing it that aren't famous right so the show is not so good i'm with a couple of my friends yeah. and i take a napkin and i'm writing down um things i'd done this is i'm like 20 years old right howard cosell John Wayne. I had a couple right. impressions yeah. from, and I thought maybe I'll try at 11 o'clock. It's open mic. Yeah. I was like, just 20. And so then the third guy comes up with the fourth guy and he's like, Oh, look at that. You know, and he's got a beret for those of you on asset. This is a frisbee. And he's like, not, he doesn't seem to have any material. Right. He's so dynamic. And right. it was Robin because when that guy was up there, I actually took the napkin and put it back in my pocket. <laughs> Because I thought, if this is the competition, Cosell, I didn't know Robin it. Williams. I thought there's five more Robins coming um, up. Oh, right. You know? Oh, my God. But then I, they bombed after him. Yeah. So then I went up and I got a couple laughs just because the first yeah, time you yeah, always do. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm in this super middle class suburb. Right. And they found out someone's doing comedy. In Berkeley, Dana Carvey's doing comedy. Uh -oh. So like 25 of them drove over uh -oh. there. And so we all come and clean cut suburban yeah, kids yeah. into this di hippie dive in Berkeley. Right. And there's a cover, there's a chalkboard. It's in the yeah. back. It's yeah. like a bakery, but the room's in the back. Little yeah. tiny comedy room. And it was like a, a $1 cover. And this guy was sitting there watching us all come in, <laughs> blinking his eyes, and he erased, I saw him erase it and put $3. Oh, my God. As we were all pouring in. <laughs> but, yeah, one night I sat next to Robin and we got paid. And it was like $8. Oh, thank you very much, boss. Oh. Oh, $8. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to show you something I'm very proud of. Oh. <laughs> Even toward the end of Robin's life, yeah. he was possessed by the idea that he would refer to his dick as Mr. Happy. Oh. And he thought he got it. He stole it from me. But he really? didn't. Oh. Well, and I hope twice at, at Dennis Miller's wedding, he brought yeah. it up. Yeah. Well, I think people say that you used to call Mr. Happy. And I'm sorry. I go, no, Robin, I never, I never did that. 30 years later in Marin County yeah. on the sidewalk after a show and yeah. drizzling. He, well, Dana, can I talk to you? And it was about <laughs> Mr. Happy. I think I... I've taken it for you, you know. I said, no, 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 Robin. So he was oh so sweet God. about it. But well, that that's great that you got close with him. Mm -hmm. in, in you know, towards the end there, that that seems like it was probably a great experience. 
Yeah, I'd known her through the years. I was sort of, it was like sure. two magnets, yeah, kind of no, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't really, I was so intimidated by him and so yeah. in awe of him. And then he called me up once after I went on SNL. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. Well, you know, where are all these these characters coming from? You, know, you seem to have a lot of confidence, you know, and all that kind of thing. He was very, very sweet about that. What can that. we do about that? What can we do? Her, her, her. But I did not realize he had two sides. You right. know, one that would dominate the world. And yes. I think, you know, I've talked about sensibility and confidence. Right. Now I'll talk about charisma. Yeah. And I have this theory. It's mm -hmm. not an absolute. Yeah. We take Elvis Presley. Yeah. The insecurity, the Southern gentleman. Right. And then the hardcore get out of me. I'm fucking Elvis Presley. Right. <laughs> that creates this electricity. Yeah. And Robin was so, had a, such a sweet disposition. Yeah. And was so intrinsically shy. Yeah. Because offstage, he just called me boss. Hey, boss. Oh, how are you doing, boss? Oh, come on now, boss. And then on stage, he's like, God, oh, take no prisoners. And so he had this kind of uh, electricity on yeah. stage because of the likability, the confidence yeah. and the shyness. And I see that in a, a lot of a lot of performers. I, I saw it with him once. I was working at the Holy City Zoo. 50 seats. And uh, he had just come from the it was the the Monday was the Oscars. And he was mm -hmm. nominated for acting for um Good morning, Vietnam. I okay, think. that was his first kind of breakthrough. Yeah. And this was the following Friday, four, four days later. I don't know if you can get any higher than that. And and mm. and he showed up at the Holy City Zoo and just hung out outside because he was wanted to go on, but he was going to wait till all the other comics went on. And mm -hmm. he just and like we'd go out in between. I think I was hosting them. He was just being hilarious, but also incredibly sweet and I just, and so respectful of all the other comics. But it seemed very genuine. And then he went up, you know, when when the show was done and did an hour. And I, I just like, wow, because mm -hmm. I was used to New York where like, oh, all right, you know. So and so walked in, get him right up, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I, I wasn't I'd never seen that behavior before it was amazing it was a great standard for the rest of us because he yeah. just as an audience response you go okay that's where it can go right so i better get a lot better and right. going full circle to your thing about i always thought if i didn't kill i would get fired or if i wasn't funny people would go well he's just a cute guy right. you know and so when i was going on conan like anything else it's also yeah. a measure of respect but i just thought well i'm going on this show i better i better kill yeah you know, yeah. and, and I probably overdid it over the years, not just with Conan, but other talk shows, like torturing myself with. You with, mean you overdid it in your head? Yeah, I, I must destroy uh -huh. or the, I'll get a pink slip. I'm, right. I, and on SNL, I felt like when I had Hans and Franz or this or that, right. I, my, my reference point was destruction. Right. Uh, coming from a stand-up background. I didn't come from Second City where we kind of share things, we have a cool concept, right, and maybe right. we get a laugh right, every right. two minutes. <laughs> right. It was like, you must right. kill or be killed. Right. You will not get the job. You'll be, And the yeah. middle act is trying to destroy you, even if it's your friend. <laughs> right. I mean, Al LaBelle was, Al this, was this comedian who's- Former hope lawyer. He, hope he's hearing this, but he was so tough to follow because yeah. he had this tape where he'd sing a song about himself at the end. Oh, I, I'm I Al LaBelle. I'm Alubelle. Uh, I went on for five minutes with a giant uh, orchestra, and I'm playing this club in Sacramento, and there's a common wall between the green room yeah. and the showroom. Oh. So I'm sitting there, and the room is vibrating. Oh, my God. And I could hear... <laughs> and then it's like, I got to follow that. Uh, and so then you had to 
learn to survive and yeah. kill. Yeah. And I carried that over. And also, it's just fun. I mean, the the six A was it six A in New York? Yes, yeah, just a great tight that box was tight. of you know the, of comedy power. A good yeah. laugh room. There's a good yes. laugh room. Nice, yeah. nice and compact. One time, I got on such a roll. Yeah, back in the day. And I was just riffing out something. Maybe it was yeah. Ross Perot. It was like 96. Yeah. Yeah. Finish, you know, when you get yeah. a hold of a thing, yeah. Yeah. just yeah. keep going. Yeah. And so Louis C.K., the Louis C.K., got bumped <laughs> uh-huh. because of it. But I remember him being so sweet about oh, it. Oh, this was on, on uh, was he was, on Conan? Yeah. He okay. was come oh, out. Wow. Hilarious. And he goes, it was like a wash. Yeah. He yeah. described it like kind of like a monster that the laughter was coming from or around or whatever. <laughs> but uh, then, you know, he became my head writer on the um, yeah. On the other show. I did the warm-up for that show once. Did you? Yeah, you wouldn't remember. I, 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 you had a warm-up guy, and there was one show, that one taping. They couldn't get the other person, so I did it, because I, I was still doing it at Conan. And I came over. I remember I stayed and watched, and I felt like I was at a planetarium show, just with my neck back staring at the monitors. It was, it was just well, one killer bit after another and i I'll, the one i'll never forget was you as tom brokaw announcing oh, yeah. president ford's yeah. uh gerald ford is obituaries. tonight he was attacked by a circus lion at a convenience <laughs> store it was all the scenarios of how right you were banking them banking in case right. gerald ford died it's a brilliant idea. The authorship is either uh, it's Colbert and Smigel uh, and other people. Yeah. Um, but that was magic. We had a great show. We had a great superstar show. writing staff. Yes. And we had Carell and Colbert and Bill Codd and you, you know, mentioned Louis C.K. Dino Stamatopoulos. Louis Dino. John Glazer, who John lo- Glazer. after that became a writer at Conan. Yes. Hilarious. Robert Carlock was around for uh-huh, a while. Uh-huh. But. You know, we it, where we were was crazy, and just to, thinking about you doing warm up, we couldn't get a studio, so it, I think a soap opera was done there. Oh. So we had to do tape it on Sunday morning or something. Oh. It was like or Sunday afternoon. It was on the weekends oh, when we yeah, taped it, right? And the audience had to wait in the snow, and then we'd bring them in. So usually that would be they'd be so dead. So yeah. thanks for oh, warming sure. them up. <laughs> yeah. You know, that yeah, was I really rough. I really helped out. You know, I, I'm um, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. And, uh, no, but yeah. That's usually, when people say they're a nice guy, that's usually. Anyway, you know, I go on, it's called Inside Conan. I go on for 90 minutes, and guess what? We never mentioned the guy himself. The man himself is never brought up. We're talking about the Beatles and going back to comedy clubs, some kind of religious site, the Holy City something. Robert Williams says, you took a thing about Mr. Happy. I can't follow it, but I guess it's entertaining for some people. No, I want to be Regis. He was, mm. uh, this is podcasting. Oh, then people want to feel like they're in it, uh, right? So Conan started SNL 1988. <laughs> and, you know, you, Conan and Smigel, I, it's similar... Uh, sensibilities, Smigel, great impressionist. You guys really find the essence <laughs> to of get it all the encapsulated. Doing and you know, yeah. Smigel, <laughs> Smigel, Conan. Yeah, oh, I did the show. And One he thing did I'll that say show. about Robert Smigel, I believe. You know how a woman is born with all her eggs. <laughs> I believe Robert Spiegel was born with every edit in his brain that he would ever make. If you've ever edited with him, because I'd edit, I'd be in the room with him with all these triumph, and he would just be like, no, 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 take two more frames. He just knew all the edits. 
I, you know what? I, I should not have brought this up at the end of the podcast. I, I just want you to do your impression of Dennis Miller as a drip coffee maker. Christ sakes, I'm brewing a cup of joe over here. Anybody want some? Let's see, All what right. was the other one I used to do? Barack Obama, outboard motor. I think I did that on Connor. Oh, I, I never heard. Barack Obama and motor. Michelle, in a second, I just got to start this this outboard motor. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. All right, let's go. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Those you know. are my favorite. I, those short, I saw you do Michael Caine uh, in kindergarten. I like to eat paste. I don't know why. I don't know why I eat things in the classroom. I'm five years old. I ate a hula hoop last week. I chewed through my desk. It took me bloody three years. I don't know. Yeah, he's fun to do. I, I learned that one intentionally. That was just fun to do. I, yeah, I, yeah, I need yeah. a task. I, I just love gotta, the short. And the Dennis Miller is, I mean, any, why are comedian impressions they're extra fun, I think. Like Simon. Well, Dennis, I, you know, it struck me once that that how funny this attitude he, this right. character he created. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an exaggeration right, of right, uh, right. You know, it's kind of like you know, life is grim. Okay, not so cozy here. Okay, <laughs> you like the podcast? Yeah. Now check your lumbar. All right, you're gonna be in traction for a week. It's like or and, cervical number seven. Yeah, and then the references and yeah. the, the the giant brain he has. Right. But he started laughing so hard at that conceit of like yeah. everything is kind of. A pain in the ass. Uh, yeah. Okay, try getting over to Larchmont at five in the afternoon, all right? Do a spiffy podcast. You're driving, you know, you got to shave second time by the time you get back to your abode, okay? I like, give me any topic with Dennis. I can put oh it through God. a filter. No, Please. I'm just saying, any yeah. topic. Going to the grocery store. Going to the grocery store. Okay, that's a fun experience, all right? <laughs> Got a wall of avocados here, okay? 700, what do they throw out? 600 every other day? Okay, that's uh, economical. All right, let's go over to the bread. Okay, I don't know. Just, just trying to think of a negative, a negative a, thing. This is one hour special. Uh, Dennis Miller live from Albertsons. Christ sakes, okay? Going to the store. Now they got ATMs at the supermarket, okay? Jesus Christ, Carvey. No, Which brings us to 1990 and you and Conan working um, on the Hans and Franz screenplay. Let's get into it, shall we, guys? We've got <laughs> 28 well, Conan, more years. I'll do this very, very quickly. Conan loved Hans and Franz. Yeah. And he started really chiming in and writing with yes. Kevin and I. And then so when the movie became a reality to write it, then it was naturally Conan. And I don't think people know that. That, that yeah. even, yeah, there was a screen... So were you all doing Arnold writing writing the screenplay? Well, that sounds like we're, we're all, all doing, doing our voice. version of Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or mine's like, oh, what could you do? You know all that, and and everyone right. does it. And yes. Conan started to do yeah. it. We yeah. have a Muslim men, and we had right. so much fun writing the the, the script. It's, yeah, it's it a great. brilliant script, and just never uh, made it to actually being a movie. Yeah, we would you would write it like that and yeah. do that and and. Uh, I remember one time Smigel laughed really hard because yeah. he's going, he's, uh, he's, uh, I did, I was doing a thing, um, 
Like he's saying, Kevin's saying he's a flabby loser. I go, he's yeah. a floozer. <laughs> I don't have time to say flabby loser. You know, it's just, it was yeah. so silly and it yeah. was all in the same yeah, yeah, yeah. silly, silly, silly level, you know, because one would be in the bathroom staring in the mirror, looking uh -huh. at the muscles, and the other would be like, uh -huh. you know, it's like, I think your time is up. I think it's time for me to get to the, check my muscles out. It would just uh, hit Conan in, 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 in a great way. So yeah. he, he was, you know. Obviously, a great writer on that movie. Doing a reading of that is that seems like a great idea for well, charity. Life is so weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's so nutty. I mean, can I do my question? I always do to your yeah or anyone here. If you had a billion dollars net, would you be here right now? <laughs> I love you. Go net because <laughs> gross it can turn into three hundred million in a heartbeat. Of course. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep going farther down. I would still, if I had a billion dollars net, I would still yeah. do Regis spontaneously yeah, on, yeah, yeah, as yeah. a visiting podcast. But on your own island. On my own island. I don't know. I don't really like things <laughs> much. I don't know. I mean, this these 10 years old. Right. This, the, they, this is 15 years I'm, old. This was $29. I don't yeah. know. No, owning well, stuff is you. a bore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with my net worth. And look at this, guys. This is four well, years well, old. Well, like, Conan's a guitar guy. He's got, yeah. like, 900 guitars. Yeah. And a house... Most of them are gifted to him. He'll tell you that. No, you don't believe it. He doesn't detune. We tried to detune his guitar when I was here, and it was, it was just... Detune. blind leading the blind. I don't even so know So the what low E, the means. big bass string, the low E, yeah. goes like the third string, the okay. D. Sure. And so you go... Dun, 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 dun. You know, you go like this, you click, uh, yeah, the, you click the D. We go full circle. And then you go to the E, but you turn it into a D. We go do, 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 do. I can turn it into anything you want or not turn it. But I, no, you just, you go to do, 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 do. Well, you get all, you get all stuffy bunchy on me. You know, you get no, you get no swagger waller. You know, I just said go do, 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 do. You stormed out. Don't do it, me brother. He's a quitter. He's a quitter. That's a, a good word for Liverpudlian. Yes, this is a quitter. This is a way to do Paul. We sat down for a plunk. <laughs> I mean, you could do it almost like just. See, I, this is how bad I was. I was trying to do John. <laughs> oh, John. John is just a guy up in here. Yeah. Yeah. We I didn't good. say we were bigger than Jesus. I said we weighed more. <laughs> I like that one. We never said we were greater than Jesus in, in kilograms. We, we knew we were larger as a band. We were I, bigger than one man. We were four. We weighed more than him. That's all I referenced. That's I was, all I was saying. I was being literal. Yeah, you see him in church. He's in the loincloth with an eight-pack. You know, he couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds. We, four of us, Ringo's got a bottom on him. That, right. But um, anyway, okay, so we this has been fun. I think Thank this is you. a good podcast because I had fun. You had fun. I had a great time. Thank you, Dana Carvey. Thank you, Dana. Holy cow. I'm sorry I wasn't there. Oh, I'm so sorry I wasn't there. I, I know. I was so bummed you weren't there either because he was great. Uh, we ended up... Yeah, he was on a roll as usual. Yeah, we just ended up yakking for a while even after we finished recording. What? And, okay, now you're rubbing it in. And then, you know, now I'm and living... you guys went out for a drink. Well, I'm living with him now. And, oh, God, don't say it. Yeah, we decided to He's adopt children together. What? <laughs> Yeah. So, um, how'd but, you know that was my dream? <laughs> oh, I can read you like a I book. I want to pick out names with Dana Carvey. <laughs> you could do that. Well, <laughs> right now we're picking out furniture. Well, I do feel like it was fate. I think that I would have just cock blocked you <laughs> if I'd been there. 
He would have ran off with you during the podcast and <laughs> left me holding the mic. And uh, we have a listener question. We do. Oh, I love this one. Okay, take it away. Hiya, Jesse and Mike. Just want to say first that I never thought a behind-the-scenes podcast would be interesting or entertaining, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad the both of you and the guests you bring on have proved me wrong. Oh, sarcasm. (laughs) And I wasn't sure where that was going. Yeah. I've listened to all the episodes so far and have gone as far as re-listening to episodes. Oh my God. What? Okay. Now I'm worried. Your mother wrote in. Ha ha ha. No, even she stopped listening. My question is, in the Conan Needs a Friend with John Krasinski, John talked about how Conan would often pick fights with his staff and even mm. go as far as wrestle them. Mm. I'm curious to know who Conan would pick fights with often and have any of you been picked on or wrestled with the big boss? Mm. Love the podcast. Miku. Thank you, Miku. You know, yeah. Jesse, if you wrestled with Conan, uh, you could lay the <laughs> grounds here for a great lawsuit. I would. That's right. Yeah. Well, first I would have won. <laughs> he might be suing me. Uh, that's right. He'd be su- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ruined my spleen. It's funny because Conan is, he has this, it must be left over from his childhood and Mm. growing up with so many brothers and sisters. Yes. That he really relates to people by punching, it seems like. And and laying, yes, and literally wrestling. Laying hands on. And not in a healing way. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I think it might just be all his his crazy amount of energy has to... Yeah. He has to burn. He's like a hummingbird. He is. And he has to just keep burning calories all day or he'll die. He's the hummingbird version of The Fly, the movie The Fly, <laughs> where he's a hummingbird got, got into his machine. Made yes. part human and blown up to six foot four. <laughs> and it's this crazy creature. Terrifying. Careening down the office. He would. He would literally come down the office. Yeah, like lumbering. Like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like... <laughs> Crashing against the walls as he comes down. And and you knew he was just coming for somebody. Oh, no. Yeah, you'd hear the footsteps getting closer. Yes, yes. And, and you'd start giggling. You'd have to throw like, him some meat. It was really, you'd just be like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Just brace for impact. Yes. He does act like he's punching me every time I see. Every time I see him. That's the right. way he greets me is he sort of pretend punches. In the, in the arm. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume it's a sign of love it is a sign of love yeah although he and i used to fight physically like a lot for real oh god yeah oh oh is <laughs> he's just like i he'd describe how if he fought me in a ring he would destroy me and like he because <laughs> first i work i'd work your body and then i'd finish you off with blows to the head and i always took it very seriously i said i will and i meant it. i said i will fight you and he like i i kept demanding to bring a ring into <laughs> Studio 6A. And I said that I will. I think you would win. I really do. I think you're scrappy and I think that you bite. We'll see. If his, <laughs> if his ear goes near my mouth, I would bite. But he knew all the pent-up fury oh, yeah. I'd accumulated. So it never happened. And that you were probably holding back because you're boss. I mean, that's the thing. That's what's so silly about it. Yeah. Is he he can't expect anyone to really put up a fight against him because he's paying everybody to be there. Right. Now we'd have we'd have fun uh, <laughs> going at it. It'd be good. Or he would just Where would you do this? I mean, where uh, do work. you have enough space? Just <laughs> in the in his Plato's office? retreat. I mean <laughs> <laughs> We'd go off to our little 
<laughs> in a waterbed. Wait a second. Right. And now I spend that time with Dana. Um, <laughs> cool. I mean, it wasn't just me. He would no. wrestle with a lot of people. But He also liked Matt O'Brien to wrestle. Oh, my with. God. Matt O'Brien. I was so excited Matt O'Brien got hired because then... He became the new guy to beat up. And I, yeah, he, I couldn't start acting like I was too old. He might injure or kill me, <laughs> which is probably true. But, um, so then Matt O'Brien, Jose Arroyo, he'd always mm-hmm. kind of grab, but I don't think he'd really, he didn't hurt hit, Jose. Yes. I don't think. I think Matt O'Brien's a big ex athlete, yeah. an unusual in a way for a comedy writer. Mm-hmm. Although we had some big guys like Andre Dubachet. I don't yeah. think he'd mess with Andre Dubachet. No, I think he wouldn't dare. <laughs> but uh, Blay, I think he would. Blay Art, Aaron punch Blay Art, a lot from digital. Yeah. He would punch a lot. That was their relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he hired people specifically for their punchability. Yes, and it, I mean he didn't. He didn't punch hard. I mean, I don't, no, no, no. I, I assume people know. I hope they know that we're that no, if we're no laughing bruises. about it. Yeah, but no bruises were raised. But it is funny that that's. I mean, that's so different from. I'm an only child, also, so this is ah. foreign to me. But it's not a way that I express love. Your mother never like would wrestle with you. Would yeah, pull me to the ground. Yeah. It's definitely a brother thing. I think I never yes. had brothers, but um, that's why I was so excited when I had sons. I was like, oh, I have guys guys to wrestle with. Finally. Guys to wrestle with, yeah. yeah. Like, I still attack them when they come home sometimes, and they're, <laughs> they just look what? at each That's other. It's just an innate male instinct. Well, it is for me. It not, no, to them, they're just like, oh, this is so sad. <laughs> they really do get very sad. I don't care. Oh, they're like, we can just hug dad. Uh, yeah, that doesn't go over too well either. <laughs> he used to wrestle with Frank Smiley, too, I think. Oh, he did. And once I, one night, Frank and I were in a sketch where Conan was, singing in the audience or something up the aisle and Frank and I had to go up and wrestle him on camera and Frank and I are both um, too physical and we really did attack Conan on the staircase <laughs> and he fell down and jammed his thumb and oh my god it, it, he, his thumb was screwed up for like seven months seven months yeah a long time oh my god he couldn't play guitar for seven months oh well now, how do you feel about now, that? Now, I get what you did. Yes. No. I wish no, I'd no. known this a long time ago. That was like, God, 1995, I think. Oh, wow. So he, he healed pretty quickly. Yeah. There's something satisfying about hurting your boss, but then you also realize it's going to... Oh, no, it wasn't satisfying. Come back to you. Oh, no. There, <laughs> there was nothing... Because I, I hadn't even been working there long, and I was just like, oh, God, what have I oh, done? Oh, man. Yeah, I thought I was a dead man. Yeah, but then you realized it was actually a positive in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> he saw you as a formidable opponent. Yes. Thank you, Miku. Thank you, Miku. That's a fun question. And hey, we only have a couple of episodes left in yes. this season. So yes. if you have listener questions it's now. and you've been sitting on them, Please. what are you waiting for? Please. Don't hold back. Get your priorities straight. And that would be number one, sending us fan questions. Yes. About something that happened on the Conan show in 1996. Please <laughs> yeah. get your acts together and send in those questions and we will answer them. We will. Or we'll get someone to answer them. That's right. We were really into like trying to get people with the exact info on it to 
talk about yes, all your questions. It's better than Ask Jeeves. <laughs> That's our standard. Yeah. Oh, so email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you can leave us a voicemail. We love those too at 323-209-5303. Right. And also, of course, if you like the show, you can support us by rating Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast on iTunes. And uh, please leave us a review. We love you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.